<laughs> this morning's message is kind of a, a diversion from our current series, uh, Church Metaphors, and it's called Parenting Thoughts After Dropping the First Kid Off at College. Okay? That's, that's what it is. So that, that's it. So to start this for introduction, there's just a couple of things that I would, I would like to say, and some of them are, are soapbox, and then others are just, well, you'll see. Okay? You ready? So here's the first thought. They need to have a class that everyone has to take before they can use the car line at school. <laughs> you need to have a class. You need to have a class. Number two. From the time you first hold them, you can't remember a time when there was life without them. I can still remember holding Aurora for the very first time. And at that very moment, I couldn't remember a time where I didn't have her in my life. Now, I can logically remember she wasn't with me in high school. And I can logically remember that she wasn't with me in college. But feeling-wise, are you getting me, parents? Feeling, it just feels like they were always with you. Quinn, same way, holding for the very first time. It felt like that he had been with us our entire life, even with Aurora, side by side, even though they're three years apart. Logically, you know they haven't been with you, but it's something about being a parent. They just feel like they have always been with you. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Number three, if someone disobeys any of the car line rules, they should be suspended from the car line and then required to take a slower-paced car line class that, and cannot return to car line until that class is completed. The third offense should be a remedial car line class. Okay, just kind of adding that in. Number four, parenting from dependence to independence is the way to go. It's the way to go. I cannot prove this from the Bible. I can prove this through experience. When you first get your kid, get your kid. <laughs> Look, I don't know who's talked to their kids or not. They might think they come from a cabbage patch. I don't know. So once you get your kid, okay, you have your kid, you really need to be an authoritative sort of parent. You, you need to take control, it, give them a schedule, Set a schedule for them. You need to tell them what's right and what's wrong. They don't get to debate that. You don't do this, you do this, you don't do this, you do this. And then as they grow older, you begin to explain to them why that was the right thing to do and why that was the wrong thing to do. And then once you get into middle school, you explain a little bit more and you go from kind of an authoritarian sort of parent more to influence. You're still the authority in the home but you're starting to parent them with influence more than what you say is right and wrong. And then by the time they're in high school, it's really a lot of influence is what you, what you parent with. Although you do have rules because honestly, if they live in your house, you've got to have some rules. When they come home, what they're doing, their friends they're out with, and you go from dependence to independence. What parents often do and what, what was really, really something that, that was tempting for us to do is it, it's real easy to go from, inde from independence to dependence. In other words, they're so cute when they throw that first tomato across the, you know, and they're real cute when they talk back to you the very first time. But what you need to understand is that might be cute and you might let that go, but that thing grows into a teenager 
Do, do you know what I mean? So you, so you squelch that, and you go to your room, and you laugh about it. But in front of them, you, you're really serious about it, and you tell them that's disrespectful and you need to respect. Right? Is everybody following me? You go from dependence to independence. Too many people allow their kids to do whatever, and they laugh about it, and they kind of just go with it, and it's really dependence to independence. It's, that's the way that you should do it. Number five, no matter what happens, it could be worse. This is an important thing to remember as a parent. It could be worse. No matter what they do, it could be worse. Let me give you an example. You could be that parent that still doesn't understand how a car line works. <laughs> it could be worse, right? Number six, in high school. In other words, you still don't understand how a car line works in high school. There's some people in high school... I'm not sure where they've been the last couple of years bringing their kids to school, so in high school. Next, number six. Children's change, children's change, I can't even say this. Children change you in ways that you do not fully comprehend and only begin to understand once they leave for college. When you hold your kid for the first time, you do not realize how much change has occurred in your life. As they grow with you and they go through high, all the way through high school, you do not realize how much they have actually changed you as a person. You drop them off at college and, and they go and do their thing. And then you realize how much they have changed you. And you just begin to understand that. They've changed you in ways that, that you couldn't comprehend. And probably because you were too, too stinking busy. Right? You were running them to school. You were running them to band practice. You were trying to make sure that they were well. You were trying to, to take care of them. You were trying to make sure that they were wearing matching clothes. You were trying to make sure that, you know, all this stuff. And, and you can't fully comprehend how they've changed you. Children change you in ways that you just don't realize until they leave for college. It's, that's the truth. Number seven, you hope you have trained your child to understand what a parking place is for. That way, when their child has a science project, they park instead of going through the car line with said project. There are people in high school that still, they have the project and they open their trunk and people, yeah, okay. Some of you, obviously your kids have ridden the bus. That's probably less stressful. <laughs> Number eight, I am thankful for my child being healthy and going through the normal changes in life. There's some of those changes bring tears to my eyes. If you have a child that was healthy when they were a preschooler, healthy when they're in elementary school, healthy in middle school, healthy in high school, and they go off to college and it's the normal stages of life, count your blessings. I've, I've seen way too many kids have some type of disease or cancer or, or something, and, and the parents feel that, right? Count your blessings. It hurts to see them go on, but man, it's such a blessing that they were, they were healthy that entire time. It is such, such a blessing. Here's number nine. Taking our kids to school and picking them up from school created some special moments with our children. Um, my wife and I have always picked up Quinn and Aurora, um, and when we couldn't, Nana and Papa went to get them. What, what that did was we were able to ask them about their day, the end of the school day, they would talk to us a lot in the car on the way home, and then they would start doing their homework. 
That, that is something you, and I know some people can't do that, but I'm just saying that that was a special moment. In the morning, when we were going and talking about their day, that was also some very special moments. We had some very in-depth conversations on the way to school with both of my children. Now, um, my wife, we would alternate kids. She would take Aurora some, I would take Quinn some, and we'd just alternate back, back and forth so we could both have that moment where it's just us, and we can invest in, in their lives on the way to school. Now, you might say, well, why don't you just go out to eat? I'm telling you, it's different. It's something different about being in that car on the way to school. It's something different about being in that car on the way home. It, that moment that you have is, is just absolutely priceless. And if I had to do it all over again, I, I would do it that way. Those were some of the most special moments that um, my children had in interacting with them. So that said, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 127. Psalm chapter 127. Um, and now the thoughts are going to be a little bit more, they're going to be more biblical, obviously. And... Um, and also, I, I kind of want you to understand that what I'm about to tell you is two basic concepts that you probably already know. But they're two basic concepts that I feel like we need to make sure as parents that we are still doing, okay? And we, and we just need to reflect on, on this, and so that, that's kind of the scope of of the message. So Psalm chapter 127 says, says this, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman says, awake in vain, stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toll, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, and he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So principle number one, maximize your time with your kids. Maximize your time with your kids. Verse 3 of this passage says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. If I was, if I was to do a paraphrase of that, I would, say that, I would say it this way. Children are a treasure from God. They are a reward to you. I know... I, I joked, and obviously I have two kids. I know what it takes to have two kids, but I also know who's in control of that. God is the one who formed Aurora in the belly of my wife. God is the one who formed Quinn in the belly of my wife. It wasn't me. I did not form them. I did not make them into the people that they are. I did not give them, well, I did not give them the DNA. I did not create that and then implant that. Nothing like that. God is the one that gave both of those children to me. They are special. They are my treasure. They are my reward. It, it, is, it is absolutely an incredible thing. If, if I was to look at everything in my life, the, the number one gift that anyone has ever given to me is Aurora and Quinn. Your children should be viewed the same way. 
And if indeed you view them the same way, you need to maximize your time with them. They are a treasure. They are what's important. They are what you invest in. So, kids, your children need your attention. They need your attention. Here's a picture of the modern-day family. Right? And then over on this side, this. And then more often than not, you see four people on their devices all the time. I want to tell you today that I love technology. I absolutely love technology. In fact, here recently, um, my um, thermostat in my house went out, right? So what did I get? I got a Nest. Why? Because it's a tech thing that I can tell Alexa to adjust the stuff in my house because I'm that lazy, right? You'd be in my room. Hey, Alexa, turn down, and it'll turn down the temperature for me. I mean, I love technology. But here's what happens with technology. Many times families get secluded around the same table because they're focused on that technology. They're focused on that game. They're focused on the latest text. I would submit to you today, you're not maximizing your time if you're allowing your children to all the time be on their devices and if you're on your own devices. You're not maximizing your time. You need to put down those phones and start looking eye to eye and talking to your children and investing in your children because one day they go to college. And it happens just like that. It's crazy. And if all the investment has been them playing a game and you texting your friend down the road, you have not invested in your child. Someone else has. A game has. Their friend has. God help us. The school system has. And I know there's teachers here, and I love teachers. I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm just saying, the school system has. A school system should never be what invests in your children. You should be what invests in your children. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? So you put down the devices. I know your kids, it irritates this. They don't want this to be said, right? But I think the problem is also with the parents. Parents texting, parents talking, parents doing it. What I tend to do, and this is why... I sometimes don't return my calls for about an hour or so. I put my phone in my room on my nightstand when I get home if I'm going to spend time with Quinn. And that's where it stays. Because that's my most important person to invest in. It's my most important person, like when it comes to investing. Yes, Nicole is number one. That's not a number one relationship. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm going to invest there. Maybe you should get a place at your house where you put down your phone and you just leave it there and you go do something else. I am, I am also a person that likes to go forward and do new things and see how culture changes and, and get all that. But there is something to throwing the ball in the backyard. There's something to taking your kids out to a park. There's something to doing something with the kids. There is something to that. And you need to put down these devices. You need to put down these devices. Your kid understands it. If you pick up your kid from school and the first thing you are is on that phone, you're teaching them something. You're teaching them that they're not as important as that person on the phone. I believe that the most important person that you are with, uh, the most important person is the person you are with. 
I didn't say that right the first time, but you got it, right? It's not the person that is texting you on your phone, okay? Maximize your time. They are a treasure. They are a gift from God. That is what your focus should be on. Kids need to know you love them. Kids need to know they're important. And kids need to know that your spouse is important to you. Kids need to know that your spouse is important to you. So, if, if there's something that happens in the house, your kids need to know that your spouse is important to you. My kids need to know that Nicole is important to me. She's important to me. They need to know that Nicole thinks that I'm important to her. She's not here today. She is sick. Okay? But they need to know that we love each other and view each other as important and we are very respectful. This means, ladies and gentlemen, that you should watch having arguments in front of your children. You should watch doing that. Your kids go to school every day and they're around kids where their parents have split and they hear those stories. They do not need to go home and think, oh my goodness, my mom and dad are going to split because they're arguing with each other. See, they need to know that both of you are important and if they hear you argue, you need to reinforce mom and dad loves each other. We love each other. We still care for each other. This is a part of life, but we care for each other. So, so watch, watch that interaction. Make sure that they know that your marriage relationship is what's really number one, and they come after that. It's very important. In fact, that's the way that God set it up from the very beginning. I said this last week. I said this in raw marriage. I'll say it again because I think it's an incredible point. God created marriage before the fall. That means that is the foundational relationship for all of creation. That is what we guard. That is what we trust. And our children need to see that it's important to us. Here's a verse. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. When you maximize your time with your children, you also need to discipline your children. You need to discipline them. Um, you are your child's parent, not their best friend. You are your child's parent, not their best friend. Their best friend is going to be okay with whatever they do. Their best friend is not going to get on to them. Their best friend is going to be right in there with them. Their best friend is going to make excuses for them. As a parent, you need to be the person that stands on the Bible and corrects them when they're wrong. If you do not do it, no one else will. Well, except for the police department, a judge, and jail time right? You can stop a lot of that from happening and a lot of your kids making mistakes if you would just correct them. You need to be a parent. Now, you need to be loving when you correct. I'll, I'll tell you this, and they might, I don't know if they can still take one from me. I'm not really sure, but we, we spanked our children, but we didn't spank them for everything. There are some things that are worthy of, 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 of spanking. I could list those for you if you want me to, 
but then they really might come to my house, okay? But there's stuff that you do, serious, that kids do seriously that they need to spank it for, and then there's other things where you just take stuff from them, put them in timeout, whatever you need to do, but, it, but it's a punishment, but they know that it's serious. It's something that matches whatever they do. Is everybody tracking? Here in this passage of Scripture, it says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. In other words, if you do not correct your children and you're just buddy-buddy with them, you really don't love them as much as you think you do. See, love is not only a feeling that I want them to, to like me back. Love is also one step further that I'm going to do what it takes to put them on a path that is the correct path. And if that means I have to have the hard discussions with them, I'm going to have the hard discussions with them. You, as a parent, are called to be leaders. You do not have to be a leader of an organization. You do not have to be a leader of a church. But you do have to be a leader in your home. You as a parent, is what charts the course for your child. And it depends on your correction. It depends on your direction. It depends on your maximizing time with them. It depends on how you act. A lot depends on you. God has placed that on your shoulder. Your shoulders. Your shoulders. There's a group of people that want to help you with it, but at the end of the day, it's your shoulders. It's how you lead. So we correct our children because we love our children. I'll tell you this. It has always broken my heart when I've had to talk to my, either one of my kids. Even when I'm spitting mad, it has always broken my heart. Why did it make me so upset? Because I love them so much. Um, I would, Quinn's not in here today, is he? Yeah, he's in children's worship because he serves God. Um, mm -hmm, (laughs) Yeah. So listen, whenever, whenever you have to really do something that you don't want to do and, and you come into a situation, this is what I've always told my kids, always have. I've looked them right in the eye and said, look, I'm about to give you a spanking, but I want to let you know, I never wanted to do this. This is not in my top 10 of things to do with you. It's just not. But because you made this choice, we have been taken down this road. Because it's not me that is just like, Okay, it's time for Quinn to get a spanking. You know, it's been five days. The sixth day, he gets a spanking. It's not that. It's not a game. It is choices that get you there. Is everybody tracking with me? So, so you sit and you look and say, look, this, you brought us to this point. After this, let's just make a deal. Let's never come back here again. Let's do our best to never get to this spot again. So make the right decisions. And it has worked. It has worked. Um, so... So that's just a little sideline on this. So let's get to the second one. Look at verse 1 of chapter 127. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. 
So here's, here's the principle. Your kids need to know that you believe that God is real. Your kids need to know that you believe that God is real. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless it is Him, there needs to be something in your life where your kids say, yeah, Dad believes that God is real. Mom believes that God is real. And here's why, and they list it. Here's a couple of verses. I think, yeah, well, there's God is real. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child. It's up to you. They need to know that you believe God is real. Here's the next one. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, your children need to see that your lifestyle reflects that God is real and you respect Him and you are concerned about what He thinks about you. You tracking with me? If you're at home and you're living like God doesn't, doesn't exist, but then you come to church, your kids don't believe that God exists. But if you live at home like God exists and you come to church and you continue to live like God exists and you're constantly giving them instruction from the Word like when stuff comes up and you do it very naturally. You, you just kind of give them instruction. They know and they see that God is real. It is very important for your children to see from you that you believe that God is real. They are not getting that anywhere else. They will not get that on TV. They will not get that at their school. They just won't. But they will get it from you. They need to know that you believe that God is real unless the Lord builds a house. Here's something that we did. Look, we had Christian music playing almost all the time as my children grew up. So much so that they will make fun of it. Yeah, when dad comes home, the music starts. They know the words to that music. They sing that music. That is what has, they've heard most of their life is this Christian music, this Christian message. Now, am I against secular music? Oh, no. I'm not against secular music. Um, There's some secular music I listen to. But I have like a 95%, 5% ratio that I abide by at all times. Especially when my kids are in my house. Now when they leave, and it's just Nicole and me, I turn on Celine Dion. (laughs) I'm just saying. Okay? I'm just saying that's what happens. But when the kids are in the house, you know, it's Christian music. Okay? Listen. It's what you do. So you do that. So, but in your house, you need to make sure that you've got some Christian music happening and that's really being filtered. It is the easiest way to get those concepts into their brain during the day. They will remember that the rest of their life. It gives them a solid foundation. Solid foundation. When they see... You leaning on God to help you parent, and you take that relationship with God seriously. Check this out. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. 
It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toll, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, I've said a lot of stuff about what Nicole and I put into place in our parenting. But I want you to understand something. It is God that built our house, not Philip and Nicole. This passage of Scripture says, the Lord built my house. God protected my house. God provided for my house. Now, I think that he did that because we were trying to go in that direction. I think if we'd been going in some other direction, I don't think he would have built our house. Are you, are you with me? But when you look, I look at my, and I'm, you might know something about her that I don't know and I don't want to know. Okay? When I look at my daughter, I think, oh my goodness, look what God has done. Because from the moment that you first held her in your hand, or you held your kid in your hand, you didn't know what you were doing. I knew what I was doing before I held her in my hand. But I had no clue what I was doing once I held her in my hand. No clue at all. All I knew was to try to follow God the best I could, follow Jesus the best I could, try to get the message into them the best I could, but it was God who built my house. It was God who developed Aurora. It's God who developed Quinn. They are not good kids because of my great parenting. They are good kids because we have a great God. It's a good house because it's a great God. I remember um, Aurora was born and... I, I changed her diaper for the very first time, okay? And I uh, told Nicole, no, I got it, I got it, got it. So I took out the wipes, started changing the diaper, and there was this tar stuff. <laughs> Scared me to death. I wondered, what in the world is, what is the world? Our kid, Tar, what is going on? Nicole, look at this. Look what's in our diaper. She's, Philip, Philip, this is normal. Did you not listen in Lamas class? No. <laughs> Did you do Lamas when you had Aurora? No. Waste of time. So the tar was normal. You don't know. I didn't know that. She knew it, but I didn't. Tar, there's things that you don't know. But God does. When you pray certain prayers, God listens. Here's a couple of, of hours. We prayed for God to give us wisdom every day, sometimes more than once. <laughs> I don't know if you've had kids, but they can shock you sometimes with some things that they do, and you're not really sure what to do, so you just take a moment. You pray. We prayed for His protection and blessing. You are not always around your kid. You can protect them as much as you possibly can, but you, at the end of the day, it's God that protects the city. It's God that protects your children. I pray for protection for Aurora constantly and Quinn constantly. We pray for protection. We pray that he will be with our children when we are not. That when they're with their group of kids, their group of friends, and something is happening, that God will be with them in such a way that he will prevent them from going down the wrong path. We pray for that. I am sure that my kids have done things that were wrong. I did things that were wrong when I was a, kid, a teenager. I mean, I, I just did. We all did, right? We all did. But I pray that God prevents them from that. I'll tell you this. The reason that I did not get 
involved in a lot of trouble when I was growing up is because my mama was praying for me. And I heard her praying in her room from time to time. And God prevented me from a lot of things. I'll give you an illustration. So I was in the marching band, and um, I was 16, and I was invited to go to a party. Okay? And I was really excited, never been to a party before, you know, outside of, you know, church. So I was going to this party, and went into this party, and there's all my band buddies, right? And what they had done was they had taken some Hawaiian punch, and they had put it into a cooler. And me, I was thinking, man, this is an awesome idea. I don't know why we haven't been doing this at church. Right? So I'm, I'm there and I'm looking and I get this cup, right? And, and you, you, know, you just pour it out and I'm thinking, why are, we should be next fellowship meal. We need a cooler Hawaiian punch and we're good to go or whatever you want to put in there. But put some little drink in there. I took a big gulp of that Hawaiian punch and it burned all the way down. And then I realized there was more punch than Hawaiian. (laughs) So it's at that point in time that my mom's prayer was answered. I put that cup down and I left that party. It is not because I was a good person. It's because my mama was praying. That's the only reason I made that decision. It's the only reason I made that decision. So, So yeah, pray. We prayed that God would be with them. And then finally, we pray that God would teach them things every day and draw them close to him. God, just take my kids and draw them close to you, whatever it takes. Just do that. Just do that. Just do that. So, God builds a house when we let him. We let him by being faithful to him and his house. Um, have you ever noticed that it is on Sunday morning when some crisis happens in your family. Doesn't seem to happen on Friday when you can take care of it. Doesn't really seem to happen on Saturday. Or maybe it happens on Saturday evening and you have to take care of it on Sunday. Right? Have you ever noticed that? Somewhere around the weekend you're about to go to church and some crisis happens and you, and you, you just have to somehow focus on that crisis. What I've noticed is sometimes over a period of time, Satan plays that same play over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So there's this crisis that takes you out of church this Sunday. There's this crisis that takes you out of church this Sunday. There's this crisis that takes you out of church this Sunday. And all these, all these Sundays, you are staying home to take care of the crisis, and your kids are seeing that you're staying home to take care of the crisis. What does that tell them about your faith in God? Can God not take care of your crisis? Well, I've got to take care of it. After a period of time of of not being at church, is that showing that God is, is number one in your life? It's not showing that God's number one in your life. In fact, it shows that you are the one that can save the family, not Jesus. You have more faith in what you can do instead of God. What really should happen is that you, you have the crisis, you work on it, and you get it to the place where you can go to church, and then you come back home and you finish with the crisis. Because that shows that your trust is not 
and what's happened at your house and your ability to fix it. Your trust is in something greater than that. There's other stuff that kind of, kind of makes us do this too, this little fate thing. We, we, look, I'm your pastor. Love everybody in here. We have to be careful with sports. We have to be careful with sports. If sports become your God, they become your kid's God. So somehow or another, if you have a kid that's good in sports, you need to figure out how to make sure God is a part of all that. You, you've got to make sure because when it takes you out of church and it takes you out of this rhythm, you're, to them, that whatever you're doing is more important than maybe, maybe, maybe God. You tracking? When you're more worried about your money than you really should be, it's, it's showing them that maybe God doesn't really provide. We just go to church just to go to church, like I go to school, like I go to the baseball field, like I go to the football field, like I go roller skating. It's just another activity. This is not another activity. This is something far greater than that. This is a place where we say we have faith in God and God is building our home and God is, God is working this all out and, and we are trusting God to take care of us. God should be number one. Your kids need to know that God is real and it's based on how you act. It's based on what you do. It's based on how you move through life. And if you're moving through life where you can solve and you're Superman and you can solve it all and, and church is second and God is second, you're teaching your kids that God really isn't real and he's really not that powerful. But when you step back and you let things go and you show your kids that God is real, you, you, you just show your trust. It's a part of your life. It makes so much of a, of a difference in their life. There's going to be a lot of people that tell your kids that God isn't real. There'll be a lot of people that do that. There'll be a lot of TV programs that do that. The one place that they need to know for certain that he's real is in your home. It's in your home. I don't know how we're going to make these bills this month, but we are going to tithe to the church because it's his money anyway. And we are God's children anyway. And he's going to provide for our needs. Now, am I going to work? Yes. But it's God that provides. Am I going to do things to try to help that crisis? Yes. But it's God that brings me through that crisis. Am I going to continue to try to work on this problem? Yes, because I'm not just going to step back and say, God, it's yours. He doesn't work that way. God works as we work on the problem. He comes in and he solves it with his power and his dominion and his majesty. God is real. And if I was really to reflect as I saw my daughter walk off Liberty University, my thought was, oh my goodness, Look at what God has done. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Um, sorry. This is why this didn't happen in August. Okay, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. That you might not know, but I'm going to tell you now. My daughter 
is in the top 1% of the nation in smarts. She gets that from her mother because her mother now forgets things, so it must have come right through her. She must have given it to her. It comes right through her. So that, that must be it. She made a 35 on the ACT, a 35. The top score for that is 36. 35. She has a full academic ride at Liberty University. Full academic ride. Just because of who she, who she is brain-wise, right? We have to pay for her, we have to pay for her room and board, which is, which is another story, but, but we do not have to pay for, for that particular amount. I am so proud of her. But here's what I'm really proud of her about. And this is where I really know that God builds the house. First of all, I never had devotions with Aurora. Never have. Never have. I've read my Bible every day at the breakfast table. She reads her Bible. As she grew older, she read her Bible more and more. More and more. Because I guess she saw Nicole and I do it. We talked to her about God. We talked to Quinn about God. We did all that. But she was, in her junior year, she was um, looking at schools, and there was, a, there was a, college, a college thing, you know, where they do the college, college fair. And she went to a couple of the colleges, and she was in line for NC State, because honestly, she could go to NC State, she could go to Duke, she could go anywhere she wanted to. So she was in line to NC State, and uh, Liberty caught her eye. I guess the line was right past Liberty. I wasn't with her at all. Her mother was. And so um, Liberty caught her eye, and instantly, a college that wasn't even on her top five became her number one. She said, I'm going to go visit that college, and I'm just going to go see what it's about. So she came, she came back home, and she told me about it, and I said, great, I think Liberty would be a good choice. And then she had, you know, NC State, and she had some other, other schools like Appalachian University, and she had um, two others. And so, so she came and um, she, she visited all those schools and she visited Liberty. And, and after she visited Liberty and all the schools, she came to us and she said, I think I'm going to go to Liberty. I said, okay, great, great. I mean, great, right? Great. And um, so why, why have you chosen Liberty University? And she said, Dad, I've been in public school all my life. I just want to be with a group of people that think like me. Wow. I want to be with a group of people that think like me. And that is why she went to Liberty. That is God building the house. It is not wisdom on my part. It is not wisdom on Nicole's part. It is God building the house. So, I don't know what you're doing as a parent. Some of you I do. Some of you I don't. But this is what I know. This morning is the morning that you need to make a decision to say, hey, I am committed doing everything I can to make sure that my kids know that God is real and pushing them in that direction. And then right after that, you just need to take a moment to say, but God, I'm going to do this, but I'm trusting in you to build my house and guide my kids.
Amen. So just take a few moments right there in your seat. You might be here this morning, have grandkids. Maybe you need to pray that prayer for your grandkids. But just take a few moments. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and just have that moment.